welcome to the I Created That podcast. On this podcast, you can expect fun, laughter, inspiration, and some amazing tips to help you learn more about business, marketing, and Shopify. I'm your host, Sarah Jansel, a former 20-year corporate veteran and executive turned creative entrepreneur. Today, I'm the CEO of my own company, Jansel & Co., where we help clients build, brand, and grow awesome Shopify stores. I'll be hosting some of my favorite guests on the show to share some exclusive tips about how to start a business, grow a business, and feature some super cool entrepreneurs and business partners who can help you do it too. Let's get started. Welcome to the I Created That podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jansel, and today I'm very excited that I have a special guest, Leah Garvin, here today. Uh, so a little bit about Leah. She is an author, a speaker. We're going to get into a little bit about that, uh, a business consultant as well, and with a decade or more of experience working in teams and operations in the corporate world, also working in some of the most influential companies with tech and finance and including Google and Microsoft, Apple, Bank of America, like all the things, Leah has definitely seen what it takes to create high-performing teams and also what gets in the way. So welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so pumped to have you here. Um, so I feel like I gave like the shortest description ever, probably <laughs> like all of that stuff tied down into like two seconds. So <laughs> maybe we'll let you just kind of talk a little bit about who you are and what took you from working in some of those places to doing what you do now? Yeah, well, I think it was a perfect summary. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> great, great TLDR. And, you know, as you mentioned, I, I've worked in team operations. I, I worked in team operations for about a decade. And my job is really centered on how to help people get their work done effectively. And so, you know, in that sort of role, you see some of the greatest examples and some of the little things that just keep getting in the way over and over and over. And I started to kind of see these, these patterns and see like, Hey, you know, when, when work wasn't getting done, it wasn't because people weren't smart enough or weren't technical enough or weren't the right people. It was always because there was some little thing like a communication breakdown or a lack of clarity around expectations or something really on how the work was getting done. And for a long time in these roles, I would bring these things up and like, hey, if we get people talking, figure out. And sometimes that was received well. And in other times I was told like, hey, you know, focus on the work stuff first and the people stuff later. But I knew that, you know, it'll, the work stuff never really gets easier if you haven't sorted out the team dynamic stuff. And so it was a passion of mine to one day, you know, like leave the corporate world and help support smaller businesses and, and more kinds of industries more at scale so that I can really realize this vision I have of making work easier to get done in, in really any size company and any kind of team. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I feel like being a little biased with my people and ops background, I was like checking off all of the things on your list there. (laughs) You were saying, right? How many of us have worked on a team and there was lack of clarity or there was dysfunction and it's like, there's just such a waste of time or like people, you know, or sometimes you'd have conversations with people after about like, what happened there? And like their understanding was completely different. Like it's always those things that really do get in the way. Totally. (laughs) And and what's so interesting is, you know, we, I think we compartmentalize it. Like we think if people aren't clear, it's a people issue. If people aren't getting along, we think it's maybe an HR issue. We think if our business isn't making money or our team's not profitable, it's a finance issue. If people don't understand our messaging, it's a marketing issue. But I, I like to say all of that 
I'm going to say 80% at least, maybe 90 can be mitigated and we can at least better diagnose the issue if we make it easier how to get work done. So if we figure out the real operational inefficiencies, because like you called out with, with people things, if, if, if folks are feeling really frustrated or stressed out or like their manager's not supporting them, a lot of times it's because they feel like, you know, they're, they're operating against a moving goalpost, right? Or like, Hey, I, I feel like nothing's ever good enough. Well, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, if we really define like, hey, here's like the metrics we're working on or here's what success looks like. Now you've solved that issue and you didn't have to have, you know, and you people kind of leave with more goodwill also. So it doesn't turn into this like escalation. Yes, definitely. We were having a little sidebar for those listening right now before we got on this podcast. And I was saying it's never a surprise when someone leaves and then someone else comes in and suddenly a team runs more effectively. And it's not yeah. always like a personality thing. It's often just like a skill level thing yeah. and, you know, like more clear direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So I'm going to sidebar us a little bit because yeah. I feel like you're a big deal and you had a TED Talks and that's like massive. So maybe we could just spill the tea on that a little bit. Yeah. What got you out there? What did you speak about? Like, how's that relating? <laughs> yeah. Well, I like to say, you know, you see, you see the after story and you're like, I could never do that. Not you personally, but like maybe somebody listening, like I could never do that. That's for them, not me. And it's really important to me to share the fact that public speaking was something I really struggled with for many, many years. Um, and the thought of doing a TED talk like seven, eight years ago was like, would be a laughing stock, <laughs> like a joke, like there was no way. And so, you know, this knowing that public speaking would be something that I'd want to figure out, um, with whatever I want to do with my work, I, it hit me one day actually, um, I was in a meeting, this was maybe like almost 10 years ago, and I had to give a presentation in front of my team that I, that I worked with every day, like not a big deal. And I went up in front of the room. I think we were just like thanking people for finishing a project. It was like very low stakes. <laughs> and I went to the front of the room and I found myself shaking. And it was mm -hmm. like not high stakes, not a big deal. <laughs> like I had time for, and, 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 and I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm going to have to figure this out. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to feel afraid or have this like, you know, physiological reaction that I have no control over. And I made it a mission from that day on to really figure this out. So I took classes, I got coaching, I started volunteering to do presentations in front of teams, like more and more and more, just kind of like that exposure therapy or whatever to really, really face it. And so, you know, flash forward about eight years later is when, you know, I felt like, okay, TEDx was something that I really was, you know, passionate about. I really wanted to do. I had an idea and that I had done all this legwork to get there, but it wasn't, it wasn't step one. So I just like to say that. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and how was it, the experience? <laughs> well, the experience was, it was incredible. And I would say, so, um, I, I had the idea of talking about, um, overthinking overwhelm or, or sorry, um, helping people with overwhelm and overthinking around decisions, because that's something mm. so many of us face right every day, whether we're a business owner, whether it's in our private lives, whether we're a manager, or a team member, whatever it is, you know, overthinking and getting stuck in, you know, what if this, what if that is something that, um, I know that like I had, I've been going through, I had coached many people on it. It was something that I worked through teams with and stuff. So like, that was really an idea I was passionate about. And 
Um, and so that's the topic in the talk. I share three tools for really reframing the finality of decisions and, and looking at, mm-hmm. you know, what's the right decision for, for right now instead of forever. Um, and so, yeah, it ended up being a really fun experience, met some awesome people, incredible people that I, um, fellow speakers and, um, it was, I think it was like the ultimate step of overcoming any fears of public speaking because you're up on a stage, like this is it. Yes. And, and after that, I've been, I like, I feel like, you know, put me in front of this and I'll do it. Like, so that's been really fun to sort of be totally behind that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Crash course and like yeah. no problem being on a stage Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after that. Right. So Amazing. Okay. And so I feel like I should be fangirling you and holding up my book because you also gave me a book called Unstuck, which you wrote. So yeah. can you maybe tell us a little bit about that as well? I want people to kind of know the full Leah here. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. So Unstuck, uh, reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and people that hold you back. This book is really about recognizing some of those places where we often get stuck in the workplace. Maybe it's feedback, comparison, decision-making, right? That's one of those. Um, uh, what else? Negotiating, you name it, right? All of these places that that we can get stuck. And I talk about, you know, for women more so than men in many of these cases because we're fed a lot of these double standards and biases mm-hmm. and expectations, right? Be smart, but not a show-off. Be assertive, but not bossy, right? All these things that can make it feel like, well, how do I navigate this thing? And we can start to subscribe to some of these beliefs. And so I would say anybody of any gender can pro- can probably identify with all these things. Some of the challenges that make it harder are when you are trying to uphold these different standards that, that show up. But the book dives into, you know, how do we use the power of reframing or looking at these places we're stuck through a new perspective? So, you know, take feedback, for example. A lot of the stuck perspective comes from, a belief that feedback's a criticism, it's always a bad thing, it's something I'm doing wrong, you know, and if we're able to reframe that and think, okay, feedback's actually, um, you know, information about how we're being perceived by someone else. It's, it's, it's a data point, it's not good or bad. Mm-hmm. If we adopt that perspective, we can say, okay, well, I don't not like feedback. I don't like feedback that's given to me by a manager who doesn't care about me. I don't like feedback where, when someone like, you know, flips me off if I honk my horn at them, <laughs> like, right? We actually aren't so afraid of these things. You know, take it negotiating, right? I think a lot of us are really worried about that. Again, maybe culturally we've, you know, we're, we haven't grown up being comfortable talking about money or we have like, you know, maybe in our family there was some stuff that we're working through around. And so advocating ourselves or asking for money may feel like, oh, we're not supposed to do that. Well, if we mm. reframe that perspective, we say, hey, this is about finding a mutually beneficial outcome. Or with a job, you know, I think a lot of us don't want to negotiate because we think, well, what if I ask for something and I blow it? And, I, and they say, like, never mind, get out of here. Well, the reframe there is the easiest route is for this negotiation to go well and, and like, this thing to be done with because you've already gotten the job if you're at the salary negotiation. <laughs> so, you yep. know, it's actually path of least resistance. So that's what I talk about in the book is, how to reframe some of these limiting beliefs, these places we get stuck and be able to really kind of push past these places and accomplish all the goals you have for yourself. 
Oh my gosh. And all of those things you were talking about, if you haven't had to, maybe you've dealt with them in like a workplace setting, but I know you deal with sort of like corporate folks and then like entrepreneur folks. And so it's like, then when you get into it as an entrepreneur and it's in a different setting, I feel like some of those things that either you didn't have to deal with or you did, but you kind of conquered them in a workplace are very different (laughs) as an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, I love love that you call that out because a huge place, right? I think one of the areas that that was really, really a theme I was doing a ton of coaching and workshops on when I was in the corporate world was around really owning our impact and our narrative and how do we talk about our, our, the value we bring. Okay. So that's one thing when you're being evaluated, like with a clear performance review system, move into entrepreneurship and running your own business. It's like, oh, this is like a whole next level. And we have to really focus on belief and really like leaning into that no matter what kind of feedback we get. We have to really keep going every single day. Even we learn every day we were doing something totally wrong and now it's going to cost us a lot of time and money. We have to really kind of hold the torch even when stuff is not going well for our teams, you know, all this stuff. And and so like you say, these, these issues show up so differently. Um, but I, I love your call out because I think for entrepreneurs and small business owners to really examine some of these limiting beliefs and have the tools to say, oh, <laughs> you know, I hear you negative thoughts and I choose to, you know, to explore this other perspective is so invaluable. Yeah, I agree. It was so funny. I just had a situation like that where I was talking to someone where it was like feedback from a client and it's yeah. like, I'm like, how is that different though? Right? Like, but yeah. it is, it feels different and you hold maybe a different sense of responsibility yeah. when you're working with someone. So I think it, it shows up differently in different environments for sure. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Like maybe this was, you feel like it starts to chip away at, you know, my idea is not valid. Or I think a lot of times you know, let's say you send out that proposal and you were worrying about the pricing and you were like, no, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say the number that I really think I should. And then they ghost you or they say it's too mm-hmm. high. And then you're like, <laughs> like ah, I knew it. I knew it. And you know what? We all know kind of on the surface that price is rarely about us. It's about the other person or, or it's an opportunity to really make sure we communicated, you know, what someone's getting for it or all the, all the things we know the things, but we always beat ourselves up because we're like, it's our thing and it's all riding on us. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're so right. It, it shows up really differently and it can kind of, it can sort of resurface a lot of the stuff that we thought we were totally past, <laughs> but actually yes. Yes. I was like the biggest unlearning was me leaving yeah. corporate to become an entrepreneur yeah. and being like, oh, I still have some things to deal with here. Totally. <laughs> totally. I know. Yeah. So, okay. So I feel like we've been kind of alluding to this a little bit, um, which is really around your audience. And I know you use the term manager, but maybe we should dive into that a little bit because manager is something that I know you have a strong belief about belonging in both corporate and entrepreneurship. So maybe we can dive into that a bit. Yeah. So, you know, having come from the corporate world, I assumed anyone that managed people, if you've hired people, you know, you kind of see yourself, okay, I'm a manager. But then when I moved into being an entrepreneur and started working with business owners and, you know, CEOs and founders, I found, wait a second, we don't always identify as that, even though we are actually managing people. And so um, one of the things that I love to do is to bridge that gap and really support anybody that has hired people, whether it's a virtual assistant or a full-time employee or a temporary or contract worker, or have, you know, a whole bunch of employees that, 
there are some skills that will make it easier for you and easier for your team. And that's why I created my podcast, Managing Made Simple, which really bridges anybody that's a manager, whether it is a small business owner or you're in the corporate world or a larger company, um, whether or you're you know an employed man, employee manager, because like you called out, the the skills are the same. You know how to deliver feedback effectively, how to delegate, how to set expectations. Um, the examples show up a little bit differently depending on if you're the business owner or if you have your own management chain. But these skills are the same. And so I really am, am, you know, encouraging small business owners to really assume that role of like, oh, yeah, I'm a manager. And there's some skills that I can learn and lean into to, again, both make my own job easier and, and empower my teams more. And so yeah. it's not, you know, it's not about like, hey, you better, you know, it's not like a punitive thing, like hey, newsflash, you're a manager. It's like, hey, there's a real opportunity to, you know, make everybody's lives easier, including your own, and to be able to save a lot of time, money, and m- mostly stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would agree because I know for our audience in particular, whether mm-hmm. it's one of our Shopify or our Kajabi clients, you know, they ran into entrepreneurship because something happened in their life. Typically, 99% of us are the former ideal version of our client, right? <laughs> so like something's happened and we're like, we're going to make the world a better place because yeah. of this. But all of us come from very diverse backgrounds and differing situations. Some people are like, boom, right into entrepreneurship. Others, you know, corporate, like wherever you came from. But I find what happens is when we jump into entrepreneurship and it's like you said VA. So it's like our first job might be a VA, but then maybe we add, you know, a graphic designer. Then maybe we add this person. It's like you kind of like start to add these people that make up like the team without maybe having that bird's eye view of like, what should we, like, you know, all the operational pieces of how we should operate, what we're all trying to strive for here is a common goal. So like, maybe you could talk about that a little bit, because I feel like there are definitely, I see you, I see you if you're listening to this, (laughs) people who have teams, and then they're like, man, why do I feel like I'm burning it all day long? Like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything done, but I have this team, like somebody help me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then we start blaming ourselves. I think that's one of the things that is, is so sad to see is people feeling like, gosh, like, why can't I get this right? I'm doing everything wrong. I'm in the way. I'm in the, and, and, and we start thinking, am I not cut out for this? And, mm. and what I would say is it's, you know, that feeling is also a signal of, no, you got to find the right partner to support you because you don't have to do all the things. And really the, the core thing that I, I, the way that I support small businesses is with my team operations playbook and consulting, because, you know, I love figuring out the how. I love figuring out the little, like the ways in which we make it easier to get things done. And if that's not your thing, that's okay. It's better to recognize it and be like, gosh, like I'm the visionary. I'm big picture. I want to be thinking over here. That's fantastic. You still have to have someone that's translating how to get that done, what that looks like in every kind of day-to-day way. But you, it, it will only be successful if that person understands that it has to be simple and it has to be easy for people to adopt. And, and again, I think having worked in corporate and seeing a lot of heavy handed processes and really worked, you know, for my whole time there to remove steps and simplify and make it easier to get things done and seeing that when you do that, it does help people move faster. It creates an ease to the work. That's really what I'm trying to do here is, um, you know, demystify the word process and operations. So it's not like, ugh. Well, I don't want to make my organization complicated. I don't want to make it clunky. I don't want to slow it down. 
it's like, hey, the way to move faster is by having stuff really, really clear and just letting people run with it. And so, you know, this team operations playbook that I create for businesses, it maps out like what are the lightweight kind of repeatable steps we want to have across things like onboarding, decision-making, work tracking, um, priorities, expectation setting, and, and evaluating success and performance. We map that out and then everybody's on the same page and everybody takes a, a stronger role in like ownership and, and growing your business. And mm. again, you know, my goal is to support making sure that doesn't add work, but it's actually subtracting and saving you time every single week. Yeah. And so I feel like the vibe I'm getting from what you were saying is like less task-based, more like yeah. what are we trying to achieve, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even looking at little inefficiencies, I was thinking about um, delegating earlier. So I was talking with a manager um, who works in an agency. So again, some of the some of the clients I have are are agencies that have like the business owner and CEO, and then they have their own managers. And so, um, the, the playbook's great for that situation because I can both support, you know, what is that visionary wanting to see, but then how are the managers actually implementing some of this? So Mm. she was mentioning, I really want to delegate more, but I don't want my teams to feel like I'm just, you know, throwing stuff over the fence or, you know, I'm just offloading stuff I don't want to do. And, you know, and, and so the consequence of that was she was, owning way too many things that easily other people could have been doing, which would would free her up to do more kind of income producing activities or high value activities, right? Working with more of the, um, sort of working directly with clients, whatever that looks like. Um, that's one consequence of not delegating. The other is that, you know, you take away an opportunity from a team member to really step up and lead something, to be able to have more exposure, to learn a skill. And so, you know, coming back to that reframing theme, if we reframe our, you know, resistance around delegating from like, oh, I don't, you know, it's bad. Nobody wants that too. I'm creating opportunities for my team members. Now we can figure out the right things to delegate that are going to both save us time, allow us to focus on those, you know, higher income producing activities, and then allow our team members to really, you know, feel like that we trust them. So that helps them want to stay in our teams. And then they're really stepping up. And the more they're growing, the more they're helping, you know, accelerate the pace of growth of our business. Um, Mm. I will say, you know, sometimes, sometimes people ask me like, well, sometimes there is stuff I have to delegate. That's like little like administrative stuff nobody wants to do. And that's also okay. (laughs) I think I just like to name it as that, right? I had a manager once that said to me like, oh, I have this really cool project for you. I want to delegate. I really want to make sure, you know, you get exposure and visibility and all these things. And then she described it and it was just like taking notes in a meeting. And I was like, I'm on to you. Okay. Don't make, you know, you can just tell me you need somebody to do this. There's, hey, I have this meeting. I I really need your help. I would have felt better if she was just honest about it. So I Mm. think we don't need to sugarcoat it and pretend that if something is just like, hey, I need another pair of hands here and I know you're really reliable and I know you're really, you know, always there to jump in. Could you, would you mind doing this thing once? So that's like my little nuance too. You don't have to avoid sort of tasks that maybe nobody else wants to do, but just call it and put like a time frame around it. Don't make the person do it every single week if it's not really in their zone of, you know, skill set or, you know, seniority. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Please do not sugarcoat it because we know, we're on to you. We know. We know it. <laughs> we're on to you. 
Um, okay, so I feel like you've been describing some of the things that um, are really a part of your process that help teams function well. So in your opinion, a team that's kind of operating well, like what's kind of the makeup of that? Like what do you see yeah. when things are good versus maybe when they're not so good? <laughs> Ooh, I love that question. Um, I think a couple things are – there's clear communication and you're able to have feedback and conversations about, you know, how we work. And I think that's one of those funny things is that I, I dive into how we work, but what I start to see is a lot of teams have never had conversations about it. They just kind of were moving forward and, and rolling with it. And so I think a, a team that's functioning really well is able to continually be evolving. Like, Hey, is this, does this process make sense? Does this system make sense? Is the way we're doing this? And that that's a conversation that's happening really freely across the team. So the business owners involved in that, any managers, there, team members, we're all really okay to be having that. Um, and then also that there's real respect for, Hey, you know, when there's a decision made, we're going to roll with it, right? We can, we can share, inputs. We can share, Hey, here's some risks I see, but we have a decide and commit sort of mentality. Um, I think that's a real sign of a, of, of a high functioning team because, um, in contrast, I think the teams that have a lot of breakdowns in communication are where you make a decision and every like five seconds later, it's like, well, should we do that? You kind of have the side conversations. You have the meeting after the meeting, all these different things where that shows that, People are okay, like agreeing, but not really being bought in and are going to try to sort of undermine the process on the back end. And obviously mm -hmm. there's a bunch of challenges with that. So I think, yeah, um, if, sort of the ability to talk about the way you work, um, committing to decisions, um, having a lot of recognition and positive feedback. So talk about reframing feedback. One of the best ways we can do that is to give positive feedback, to recognize great work, to have really a culture of gratitude and appreciation for, for work folks are doing. Um, and I love to remind business owners that appreciation, gratitude should be expressed to every single person, a VA, a person working on your project for two weeks, a, a consultant you hire, someone that's helping you with one thing, all the way to your number two employee, right? all of these, everyone is a human. They need to feel like their work matters and that they're appreciated. And so, um, you know, we may hire someone for one project and we want that person to have a good experience. We may want to work with them again. So, you know, recognizing work, always having an eye out for how can I give some really specific, meaningful recognition is another great sign of a high functioning team. And that's going to make your employees recognize each other and it's just going to create more goodwill across, across your team. And that's going to help people, you know, have more resilience. I think one, one thing that any business owner is facing is we have to do more with less. It's not about this economy. We're always doing more with less, right? Like literally from the beginning to the end of time. And you can do more with less when your team members feel like they want to step up. And the number one way they want to step up is when they feel like when I step up, people see it, they value it. It's not for nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking about sort of like this team communication and things, and I'm yeah. wondering if you've seen this, is when entrepreneurs start to hire freelancers, so maybe not like employees, but they have people who literally work all the time for them because cross yeah. borders and all the things. And, you know, the people have different job functions, so they may not actually be doing a lot as a team. They may mm -hmm. have their own individual functions. And so that can either work really great Oh, or that can actually cause dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. And I think it, it is nuanced company by company. I think like it, a lot depends on, well, what's the nature of the business? Are there, you know, is there any overlap even where, you know, if someone has nothing to do with that kind of work, they still may have some perspectives on it. And I would say, I do think it's valuable to bring a team together um, from time to time. Maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's, you know, however frequently, even if it feels like on paper, the jobs are very disconnected because there is something really powerful to feeling like you're part of a team and you're all working together towards this vision, towards this result. And I've seen um, when, when a team that has a lot of folks working on different kinds of functions really be amplified by, you know, maybe you have a, a designer or a marketing person and an engineer goes, Hey, like, have you thought about this thing? Well, they're, they're bringing a different perspective. And anytime we have, you know, different perspectives, diversity, and in, in how we're approaching problems, you're going to have better results. So I mm. think, you know, you could, there are situations maybe where, um, there's, you have like all the work is siloed in such a way that, you know, maybe it makes sense to kind of come together less frequently. It doesn't have to be monthly, but I think, I think there is a lot of power to that just so you feel like, Oh, you, Oh, our company does that thing. That's really cool. And really giving your team members a benefit of the doubt that they want to know more about the business. And one of the biggest shifts that, that I help businesses make through the ops playbook program, creating the playbook and then consulting, um, for several months after is, um, a shift around seeing yourself as just having, you know, a job and really seeing your role in growing the business. And we'll, we'll see our role in growing the business when we understand the whole landscape of the business. And so when you have your team too siloed and we don't understand what's going on over here, well, I don't really feel bought into helping grow this business that I don't know half the people do in it. Right. And I have no idea. And so we create a stronger sense of ownership when people feel like they do understand the landscape. They know the different pieces. I maybe don't understand how everyone's role, like all the details about it, but I know they exist and what their goals are. That drives a really strong sense of ownership, which helps people kind of bring proactive ideas and, and, and solutions to how to grow the business in a, in a bigger way. I think that's so important because we hire such smart people. And we were saying this earlier, right? Like everybody comes to their own entrepreneurship with these different vantage points. And yeah. there's so much value behind that. We were just in a round table yeah. with people in a room who had all different backgrounds. It was so valuable to hear their perspective. Totally. <laughs> totally. And, and I yeah. think one of the most valuable things was hearing that everybody had a completely different business. No one had even a related business. And every single person's challenges resonated with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. things that they could approach or the solutions or things they could try to work through them also related. And so, you know, we're all wrestling with very sort of similar things in different flavors. And, and that's a lot of the value of bringing people together and seeing, you know, where are you getting stuck? What might you try? And starting to hear, we also start to think bigger about how we could approach our own work. So the, the value just goes in both directions. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to demystify the playbook a little bit yeah. because I know when we were initially talking about a playbook um, before we jumped on here, I was like, in my mind, in my corporate days, like a playbook was like a document and it kind of had like our, you know, responsibilities and like we just went and executed kind of thing. But like your version of a playbook is much more than that. And yeah. you are also very hands on with your clients. So you've kind of talked about like what kinds of work you've seen, but I'd love to just hear kind of like what's involved with that because I was really impressed by what you're doing. Thank you. Well, you yeah. know, I think it's born out of, um, and, and maybe it was, it, 
at, at Google, the last company I was at, like it was a place where you don't just share an idea and like throw it out there. Like you also have to, like, if you're going to share it, you're also going to be solving that problem. And so mm. I think, you know, and it was really ingrained in the culture of, you know, if you share an idea or map something out, you're going to be part of seeing it through. And I think that was a really powerful lesson that's really informed the way that I approach the work that I do with small businesses is like you said, you know, a playbook doesn't help you if it's just a document nobody looks at. And so how I structure this is I sit down with a business owner or co-founders or, you know, however that, you know, your organization is shaped, really the person that's kind of at the helm. And we look at, you know, where are you today and where do you want to be across the six dimensions that I cover in the playbook? And these six areas are onboarding, priorities, expectations, delegating decisions, tracking work, and performance. And the reason I talk about those six areas is because it's really kind of encapsulates both an employee's experience on the team. And again, I say employee, but it could be part-time or contract. So team members experience. And it also is the places where the most breakdowns happen. Okay. And so there's the most opportunities. So we have this deep dive and we talk about, okay, well, what are, where it's getting in the way? What are opportunities? What have you tried? Really get a sense of that. And then I take that and I create the playbook, which is like a version one of like, okay, how could we tackle this? What are the lightweight processes we could try? What's like a checklist for this? What are the decisions we want to delegate? What meeting do we need? And I create that and I share it back a week later after that deep dive. And then that starts three months of supporting the team in, in executing on anything and setting anything up you know, is it, we want to rewrite job descriptions. We want to change our performance system. We want to introduce a task tracking. Really do team members need coaching? I mentioned I'm working with a team right now that has managers. A lot of the consulting work I'm doing is really making sure those managers are set up for success. So the three months of support I offer with the playbook is really for that business to utilize it however they want, because we don't always know what we're going to need support with until mm -hmm. we've uncovered some of these things. But the worst possible thing is uncovering it and being having nobody to help you. <laughs> so, so that's why that's actually, you know, the, the most important part to me is to be able to stress test the playbook to see like, hey, is this complete? Do we want to add anything to it? And then with initially three months with, the, you know, and totally can go on from there if folks, if folks want, like, you know, if there's more coaching opportunities or more things like that, you know, it really allows um, me to make sure that we've really, you know, that we're not creating any extra work that you're totally supported by the end of it. Yeah. And I think that's huge because I think a lot of times when you're working in programs and things like that, it's kind of like, here's the how, and then yeah. you're left to do the what. And, yeah. you know, not everybody can do that, right? Or has the time yeah. to do that or is in the nitty gritty of some of those things. And so I think that that's like a huge piece of the value of what you offer, like the stress test, like you said. I'm like, how often do we have anybody that stress tests the plan, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's yeah. like, you know, it, it allows you to, I think, see that a lot of the changes a lot, or not changes, a lot of the stuff that we align around there actually is a person that can own that on your team. And I think sometimes we jump to, I need to hire an ops director. I need to hire another, probably like an executive assistant can be the next one. I need to hire someone to do this when the, actually the things that we need to do are sort of clarifying communication more broadly. And then having, you know, maybe it's a meeting, you have a rotating owner of that. Maybe you have, um, 
you know, like a task tracking system. Well, we can stand that up while I'm working on it. And then we use it very in a simple, lightweight way. So the ongoing maintenance, everybody owns that, you know, individually, right? So I think my goal is to, is to really set up what are the simple, lightweight, you know, highest leverage activities that give you the biggest bang for your buck? Because, um, you know, I work with businesses, they, you know, from about three team members to 35 or so, that one with 35 or 40 employees, they might have managers and people doing project management, all these different things. So they may have someone that could run a more complicated process. But the business with three people is probably not going to hire a COO, right? So I want to make sure they can really run with it in the same way that a larger team can. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we can think about what's at stake if they don't. Right. Like I think a lot of times when you're feeling that pain and you're trying to scale, the pain doesn't go away. It just gets bigger. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think a question that I get a lot is, um, why now? Or I I don't, I don't, I feel like I should do this after I've hired. I feel like I should be at a certain level. And, you know, I think you pointed out before with, with hiring, like, I believe you actually don't really know who you need to be hiring and if it's the right role, unless you've done this work to figure out, you know, how you want to be spending your own time as a business owner, what the gaps are in roles, what your onboarding process looks like. And because we cover all that in the playbook, I see the playbook as really the the precursor to hiring and growing more. Like it's going to give you that foundation to do that so much faster. And so I think when we, when we wait to do something like this, I always hear from people like, oh, I wish I did this earlier because now I'm better utilizing, you know, my team. And like mm-hmm. we talked about with stuff like delegating, you know, a lot of the inefficiencies that have on a team, this is costing you, you know, between, I don't know, five to 10 hours every single week at least. So this is in the tens of thousands of dollars a month often that we're not even realizing is, is left on the table because it's sort of like intangible, but when we fix it, that is concrete savings. So this stuff that can feel like, well, yeah, we don't really have a meeting agenda, but we kind of like figure it out while we go in. And if that meeting's running over 15 minutes, like let's say you have a, a meeting twice a week, any kind of meeting that runs over 10, 15 minutes times five people times your CEO rate, like that could be like thousands of dollars a month. That's just poof. Right. And if you had that time back, now you can be reinvesting that in your business. If you have two people working on the same task, it seems like, well, okay, like I, we didn't notice that at first, but if they're doing that for a week or two weeks, mm. think about the savings there. If you have not a clear place of like, where do we, where do we keep files and documents? Like you're going to have something created, another person create it next time because they can't find it, a third person. Three bespoke processes for something simple like filing expense report <laughs> and like nobody's really clear. So when we figure all this out, you just start to reap savings overnight because like the, the shifts are very simple, but they're transformational for, you know, how things work in your, in your business. Yeah, I can, you know, that's such a good point because I feel like in a business like mine, where we're dealing with a lot of clients and things, something as simple as like making sure that everybody's saving things in the same place is like, like so much time lost if that's not happening. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Where are all these things, right? Exactly. Times like however many, like it seems small, but like, yeah, it caused some headaches initially, right? Until we kind of got it right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, what you're pointing out also points to like, you know, we're not able to really lean on learnings, right? If you have a, if you're running an agency, um, you've solved a lot of these problems before. And that took a lot of hours and a lot of time to solve it the first time. If we can't easily reference back, like, Hey, what did we do for this project? How did this Mm. thing go? 
you know, that's now we're reinventing the wheel and we're having to use a lot of startup time on, on just doing something that we easily could just kind of glance back at something that's 10 minutes instead of like five hours to redo it. So, um, all these things are huge time savings. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Oh my gosh, Leah, so many things I feel like we could dive into. Oh, I um, but I know we may have people here who are like, okay, this all sounds really good. I feel like you see me. <laughs> you I can't see, see me, you. but I feel I like you see you. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your podcast. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that. And I think you also have a really cool freebie and things as well oh, if people you. are sort of interested in learning a little bit more. Yeah. So my podcast is Managing Made Simple. And again, I dive into really what are some of these areas in the playbook? What are some of these skills of being a manager that that just could could be easier, right? So again, we talk about feedback, delegating, expectations, um, performance conversations, right? All these different places that, um, and, and I offer tips and tools and strategies to make it easier. So this is really applies to if you're a small business owner, team leader, whatever sort of space, if you're managing people, then this is the podcast for you. So that's managing made simple and you can grab that anywhere there's podcasts. Um, and the, um, scorecard is this tool that I created for people that ask like, okay, I want to be a better manager, but I don't really know what to do. So if you head to leahgarvin.com slash scorecard, this is a checklist of 20 things that you can do, you know, this month and really every month to show up better for your team. So it's a reminder of like, Hey, remember to give that recognition. Remember to have, you know, a load balancing conversation if someone's feeling stressed or burned out. Remembering, you know, how do you talk about goal setting? So this checklist really gives you both a reminder. And then I link to podcast episodes where you can get a little bit more support if you're like, okay, I want to do that thing, but I'm not really sure how to do it. And then you can go from there. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we'll include some links, uh, in the show notes to both of those things. So, uh, if people want to reach out to you though, and inquire about anything you've shared today, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah. So, um, you can reach out at my website, leahgarvin.com. So that's L I A G A R V I N.com on Instagram at leah.garvin. LinkedIn, I'm, you know, LinkedIn slash in slash Leah Garvin. Any of those places are great. And yeah, you know, mention you heard on the show. I would love to know, you know, uh, if this resonated and, and how you found me. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, you guys heard it here first. Time to get out there and think about your processes and how you can be a better manager, entrepreneur manager as well, friends. Right. <laughs> Don't <That's> forget. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here today, Leah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right, and we'll catch you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it helped you learn more about starting a business, growing a business, and doing more on Shopify. If you love this episode, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Your ratings and comments will go a long way to ensuring more people can find this podcast and all of the helpful tips that come along with it. And if you're looking for more awesome tips, you can follow me on Instagram at at Sarah Jansel or my business at Jansel & Co. Or if you're just starting out and looking to build a Shopify store, make sure you hop on over to my website at www.janselandco.com slash free guide for the latest tips on how to be successful. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.